What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Culture FC, the weekly soccer show that's not really about soccer. We cover lifestyle, fashion, music, politics, all the things surrounding the beautiful game, just none of the things happening on the pitch. I am Louie, and I am joined here, as always, with Alan and Brendan. And today's episode was really, really fun. We got to sit down and discuss our personal soccer journeys. Uh, so we got to talk a little bit about the teams we support, why we support them, what they mean to us, when did we know we were fans, and really dive into the subject of being an American who supports an English Premier League team, have it being so far away. As always, don't forget to give us that five-star review on your podcast app, as well as sharing the videos and subscribing to our social media channels. We recently started a Culture FC Instagram. It is at culturef.c. And make sure you follow us there to see any news and just to be able to engage with us a little bit better. And don't forget to follow Troublewear's Instagram. That's our clothing brand. It is at Troublewear. Let's get into this week's show. There's a pro-direct soccer short documentary on Grassrooted. Have you guys seen that Juventus? Hack, Hackney Marshes. Um, have you guys seen that Juventus thing on Netflix? Not yet. It's in my uh, list of things to watch. Probably not what? Tonight or tomorrow. I saw it last night. As I was about to go to bed, I was like, oh, fuck. Wait, which one? There's a documentary on Juventus on Netflix. Ooh. It's called First Team Juventus. That's kind of cool. That's exciting. Yeah. I watched the Ibrahimovic documentary. That one's a good one. Just yeah, so much of a good. prick. I wish it was longer. <laughs> I know. It literally it's, ends right before he hits any good any, club. Yeah. Like, it's like, and that's it. Yeah. But no. The man's got like mad stories about like Inter and all this other shit. And it was just like, yeah, this, yeah, is, this is, is about as much as our budget would take us. Yeah. Okay. So five newsworthy, noteworthy topics for us to talk about. I got them this week. Let's see what you guys think about them. So. First off, Lukaku tweeted the other day an interesting idea. He proposed an idea to have a North versus South, t- typical like NBA All Star, but yeah. North versus South Premier League All Star uh, game. Huh. And he got a lot of reaction to it, both positive and negative. And I want to know kind of what your guys' ideas are on it. So. I'll actually let B take this one first. Uh, yeah, this is the first time I'm hearing this, That's just because good. I don't follow him <laughs> yeah. on Twitter. Twitter. Yeah, But uh, I personally think that'd be fly. Yeah. I think that'd be so cool to just see how every different player from different clubs would play together. Yeah. And I guess I need to see a map to see if it, is it stacked, like North has way yeah. yeah, so Bleacher Report tweeted out, uh, like a list. mock. So North would be this. Firmino, Salah, De Bruyne, Silva... Guay, Pogba, Robertson, me, Bailly, Walker, and then De Gea. South would be Aubameyang, Kane, Hazard, Conte, Eriksson, Ozil. Defense of Bertrand, Monreal, Vertonghen, Aspliqueta, Fabianski. So, I mean, this is just one lineup. Yeah. Definitely someone like Fabianski. I don't know if I'd pick him. And for them, check. I think what they did was you can only pick three players per team. That's why uh, some players are on there that really probably yeah. shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, but I love the idea of an All Star game for the Prem, just because it's the All Star game. Even if no one really takes it seriously in the NBA, it's still a, a 
a matter of honor, you feel like, oh, I'm I'm one of the best players this year. Sure, there's the team of the year, mm-hmm. but you don't like play and celebrate no. it. You just get a little award and you don't celebrate it with people. The end. The NBA All Star Game is a big party. Like that's the whole purpose True. of it. The whole purpose is it for you to acknowledge your uh, other honorable players and be like, hey man, that's awesome. Let's we're here together. Let's like kind of basically party together, hang out together, and it's a matter of honoring. For me, I would not want to split it north and south because I don't think that's fair for the Prem. It makes sense in the NBA because it has two yeah. conferences. But for me in the Prem, I would just say you get, let's say, uh, the 30 best guys in the Prem this year, mm-hmm. put them in a big pile, and then you get two captains, basically similar to what the NBA did this year where they had two captains who then picked their starters. I would, say, I would say basically make it one big pickup game between 15 players from each side with sick jerseys sick jerseys the same way that nike yeah. has been doing for exactly for, for i saw that the nba this year Very but cool. basically in a hypothetical it would be you know the two highest vote getters because the other thing you have to consider too is the nba the all-star vote used to be all by the fans which i think it's that's why it's an interesting concept is who do the fans think is the best. worthy of being an all-star but then the NBA this year also recently changed it to be 50% a fan vote. And then the rest, the other 50% is then de- uh, decided by the players and the coaches, which I think would be an interesting split to also implement in our fictitious Prem All-Star game. Um, because I think that, you know, Man United have the most fans in the world. That's not even an arguable fact. You know what I mean? On uh, If this was like a fan voted Twitter thing, the same way that it is for the NBA, every single year, Man United starting 11 will be the starting 11 for the All-Star game. So it has to have a weight behind it yeah. so to actually average out. Yeah. So um, my two cents on it before moving to the next one is I hate the idea so much. I hope that never, ever, ever happens. Really? I hate the idea of um, – Fan-driven. I'm a big anything. like – I'm into the whole Kobe mentality, MJ mentality of you can be friends with them but not when you're on the field. And I hate the idea of seeing – Paul Pogba playing with the Liverpool player ah, by okay. his side. So I have no interest in seeing that happen. I think the idea is cool. I think that in terms of when we talk about culture and how we start seeing too much friendliness, like especially in the American culture, we see a lot of this kind of um, there's none of that real passion for your team type of thing. I think that introducing an all-star game like that kind of starts to bring in that type of culture into, into the Prem or into world soccer. So I hate everything about it. So I, I can almost have a whole new episode on just that I was about to say, I yeah, could right. argue with you about this. <laughs> yeah, right. right. So we'll that, may be, that may be a good one. But so, so, so yeah, moving on. I don't but... want to get too much into it uh, and ruin a possible future episode. But we're going to keep it in the prem for this next topic. So the Premier League is set to introduce a winter break in the 1920 season. And this winter break isn't going to be actually when you think the December season when they – when a lot of other leagues have them, it'd be early February. It'd be about 13 games, 13 days in between games. That would be considered their winter break. And yeah, I, what do you guys think about that? Hmm. Um, interesting. I never would have do a lot, do a lot of other sports do breaks. Well, the, like the German league takes almost every other competitive soccer league in the world takes a winter break where they it's almost it's what mid December early December to about January season mm-hmm. so that so the Prem plays all those Christmas time games yeah. that holiday season games where they have like three games in a span of X amount of days five days um, but that's not something that's very common in other leagues huh I don't like it at all the winter break yeah I don't like the February. idea of it yeah I think I want to keep watching yeah what do they think, need a break for 
I mean, yeah, the rest Think of about it like this. In the Prem, this this season, four teams had almost a winter break. I, Everton, Crystal Palace, Newcastle all had a stretch in February where they had 13 games off. So it, it wouldn't be that radical. 13 days off. I keep saying games. Um, so it wouldn't be that radical okay. of a change. It's not something yeah, I think Yeah, and Liverpool went big. to Spain, I think, recently too. So they yeah, had so a little so mini break. Little mini breaks. They get, they okay. get them every now and then. You could sway me. So I think that this is something that's been called on for so long. Because you you burn players out. Uh, I think that instilling the winter break when they want to instill it or they when when they will be instilling it was the perfect compromise. Because a lot of people really were vehemently against this idea because it would interfere with the holiday schedule. I'm the kind of person that absolutely loves the holiday schedule for the Prem, where every single day I can basically turn on my TV yeah. and watch a good game. Love it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. For me, when it gets to that point of the year, it's like one of the only things that gets me through the winter. Yeah. It's just like that yeah, one exactly. little period. It's like all right, you're going to have a game today. You got two days, another game, another two days, another game. And it's amazing. And they're like, that to me is awesome. And so I think that instilling it into that first and second week of February, perfectly fine. I mean, they need a break anyway, but make it at the actual kind of almost midpoint of the, or at least a little bit after the midpoint of the season. So that it's like, here, guys, recharge your batteries and take one last run at it. You know what I mean? Yeah, it kind of gives them a lot of English teams that final push. Uh, for Champions League as well, that's a, relegation. A, lot of, a lot of times uh, that's been a big thing uh, with the issue of oh, let's get a winter break because English teams have done so bad in the Champions League, and it's usually post winter oh, break. Oh, okay. So hopefully, with introducing this, it does give the English teams a little better, uh, a little more juice in the tank to compete with some of the bigger bigger teams. In the world. We'll say the English teams have been doing pretty well this year. Yeah, this would this year has been pretty good, but his, over the last few been, years has been great. piss poor. So, so hopefully that that does change, and I do like the idea of it. I think it. I mean, these guys are they're humans too, and they as, as much money as they're getting, they do need a little little yeah, I guess. So. Yeah, I don't know. But all right, for la- last one that's going to be kept in the prem, but I think this one's pretty interesting. So Hector Bellerin, defender for yep. Arsenal. He actually gave a talk at the Oxford Union, and for anyone that doesn't know, the Oxford Union is a debating society in England, and they've had. I mean amazing guests throughout history they were founded back in 1823 and they've had people like albert einstein and dalai lama diego maradona elton john so they've had big names people come and give talks and one of the interesting topics that hector actually covers is arsenal fan tv so he got asked about what he thinks what he thinks about arsenal fan tv and kind of if players react to what they see Mm -hmm. and this is actually i'm going to read an actual quote for him that he's, this is what he said of our Arsenal fan TV. He goes, it's so wrong for someone who claims to be a fan and their success is fed off of failure. How can that be a fan? It It's just people hustling, trying to make money their way, which everyone is entitled to do. So he got a lot of backlash on this from Arsenal fans because Arsenal fan TV where is known, and if you don't know it, it's this YouTube channel that has become famous for a lot of Arsenal fan rants, like really big rants. Mm-hmm. And... People will say, yeah, he's making money off, but it, it's also a platform for these people to vent their opinions. True. And, and it does get to the players. But, I, I mean, I think that this quote is a little strong. I don't know what you guys think. So my opinion on this is very interesting. And it's super funny that, that uh, Bellerin came on and said it recently as well because uh, Copa90, they did an episode They did a, 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 an episode of another one of their YouTube, shows. Another YouTube, another YouTube channel. channel, Copa90. Check them out. Really good. Um, they did like a FIFA and Chill episode with Jack Wilshere. And they were talking to Jack Wilshere about Arsenal Fan TV. 
And he, he actually echoed sentiments op- opposing yeah. to Hector Bellerin here. He said that he thinks every fan has their, their own voice and they have the ability to say whatever they want and they should say whatever they want. My stance behind it is, I can, in a weird way, I can sort of see where Hector Bellerin was going with this, saying how these people are kind of... Some people are, have accused Arsenal Fan TV of sensationalizing certain things to get a reaction out of people and to get views. But at the same time, I think it's amazing because this is the same kind of conversation we've always had about uh, the role of fans in in, in, sport, in in the club and you know what they mean to the club. I think that having a platform where you can express your views, negative, positive, it's amazing. And the fact that people are paying attention to Arsenal Fan TV is awesome the for them. The fact that it gets to the players, you know what I mean? It, like it reaches them. He even says that they don't go out and watch him, but their friends will be like, hey, did you see what this, was, this came out on this episode of Arsenal Fan TV? So I think that... Oh, they definitely watch him, dude. No, I don't watch him. Yeah, 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 they yeah, definitely I mean, watch him. I'm sure uh, they, they do and then they just don't want to say anything, but it's also pretty hard. I mean, some of the, the, the fans really do go in on the players. So I can imagine if I just come off of a bad loss... It would be tough for me to go there and watch. True. Because they've really berate. Like, they really... A lot of the hate recently has been on, on the coach and the manager. But, yeah, it's still not something that... I think there just needs to be a line, right? Yeah. I think that, you know, berating for berating sake because you want views and stuff, right. then you're not really a fan. You right. know what I mean? But I don't think that anybody who's on there isn't a fan yeah. because of just, like... I it, When I watch it, to me, it feels very genuine. Yeah. Everything they know their stuff. Genuine. I mean, they're, they, they know their stuff. The games. Yeah, they're, right. They're, and they're always together at the games. And so they, I, I love the fact that they do the episodes right after a game, right after, right outside the stadium. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Yeah. So they're there. They're doing it for a reason. I just think that there has to definitely be a line. If Arsenal was doing really well and they were still sensationalizing certain things, then I think that's wrong. Yeah. But, you know, Arsenal, it, it, it's an interesting thing because... Arsenal, if Arsenal were doing better, I don't think it would be that big of a deal. Yeah. You know what I mean? Man United, there's several different YouTube yeah. channels devoted to yeah. them, and they're not even anywhere close to as popular yeah. as Arsenal Fan TV. What was the art? The they have full time Devils, which does yep. the, the Manchester United one. And the the bad period for United was when we had Moyes in, and what's the guy that became a meme? He was. Um, he, he was the one that yelled like give it to gigs till the end of the season. What was that guy? Oh, I don't <laughs> remember. Like, so they're yeah. I mean, it seems like yes. They could be sensationalized, and I don't want to get too into it because it, it, this is kind of running long, but it only gets sensationalized if your team is doing really poorly. Fair. So at the, at the, on the other end, the fans could be like, hey, well, just play better, yeah. and we well, can come here and kind of sing our praises for you. I think right? the question— but people like to see misery. That's what sells, and True. unfortunately, but if Arsenal were doing well, all the fans would go on and be like, hey— I don't have anything bad yeah, right. to say, and no one would watch, and that's no. and then you wouldn't make money. Sure, whatever. But I my think. last my last point on this situation is that it's just a different media form. The same way that the newspapers in uh, London would be writing bad things about Arsenal after a loss, these people on YouTube yeah. are doing the same thing. It's just yeah. a different change of medium. So yeah. I don't think it's it, I don't think it's fair to criticize Arsenal Fan TV if there's a writer for the Daily Mail or the Manchester Evening News or whatever it is yeah. that's like or the London Times. I don't know Liverpool if that's the. Echo. <laughs> I think it's London Times. I don't know, yeah. but like if there's a writer yeah. for them, then and they're saying bad stuff, then that's just what it is. Yeah. I think it's just like it's in vogue right now to talk about Arsenal fan TV. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I say Hector Bellerin should sack up and like you're a professional footballer, yeah. dude. What are you? You're, you're really gonna get these fans yeah. like let them get to you? They. I mean, I'm just excited that they can get reached. You know. Yeah, I mean it's cool and yeah. It, again, we can probably have a whole episode yeah, right? of this as well. This is another really cool, culturally important thing, but. We'll move on. Fourth topic. This one we'll bring in bring into the U.S. So recently, Landon Donovan came out in an interview and said that he believes that the next U.S. soccer coach should be an American coach, and that may be a broad, a, a crazy statement. 
or not. But he said this, and then he actually got in a little spat with Eric Winalda, our boy, because mm-hmm. Eric tweeted and said that this idea or this opinion was really bad for American culture and American soccer culture specifically. And Landon Donovan responded to him and was like, dude, stop hating, blah, blah, blah. Eric Ronaldo, whatever. So there was a little argument. So one guy, Eric Ronaldo, believes that this is a a bad idea because we should be accepting anyone from any nationality to coach our our national team. Landon Donovan believes that it should be an American. He actually named uh, Peter Verms from Kansas City and Greg Vaney from Toronto as as two successors that he think would be really good for the U.S. national team. So what do you guys think about this? I think it's silly, dude. Dude. Uh, to, to I mean, yeah, I guess if you want to keep it like homegrown in the United States, but I feel like there's so much wealth, so much wealth of knowledge out there for coaches around the world that if you're going to try to ostracize a whole bunch of them just to pick someone you want. Yeah, and Donovan did say that he thinks that an American coach because he thinks that they'll understand American players better. And that's what when all that kind of set him off. Like, why do American players have to be treated differently? Yeah. That's what an, when all this argument was. And, yeah. To me, I weirdly enough, I actually think every national team's coach should be from that country because to me, if the players are from that country, coaching should be from that country because the team isn't just the players. The team is the coach and the players. That part aside, okay. I think that Fair. because it's not that way as a whole, I think that the statement is stupid. I think that you shouldn't be necessarily – looking just for the best american coach find the best coach you can possibly get yeah regardless yeah. of nationality who cares yeah. if they understand the players make sure you know the, i think the biggest issue is that a lot of people think american soccer is coddled these players are coddled they're treated like these stars that aren't stars they're treated like divas they're treated like they themselves then start to believe this stuff and in reality they haven't won anything yet mm-hmm. they're starting to act like you know the world beaters that they think in their heads that they are but yeah. they're not you know doing anything to prove it so to me don't narrow down your pick just to an American coach because yeah. that seems very silly. If there, but then I will say, if there's an American coach that you think looks great on paper, he has the right qualifications, he you know is available to start. He has a good understanding of the of the players. He's been a youth coach and he has seen the whole system, and he's actually qualified for the job. Give him the job. True. Yeah. So I don't. I'm not going to argue for or against, but I'm just going to do a little mic drop comment and. Um, and say that no World Cup has ever been won by a coach that isn't from the nation with that nation. See, oh, that's, that's, my point. Okay. that's it. I'm moving on to the final topic, and that is World Cup related. I think one of the biggest talking points that isn't related to soccer that comes out for the World Cup every year is the actual the World Cup theme song, and FIFA has chosen. Jason Derulo to be Stop. the next, Stop. <laughs> to be the no. next artist. So he's going to be joining a star-studded lineup of Pitbull last year and then Shakira when she had the uh, 2010 Waka Waka song, which I think is the best Yo, one to come out. We, that has after. been... Yeah. So Jason Derulo, 2018 World Cup. He, I think uh, it's going to be released within the next coming months, but uh, he's been working on it, been drawing inspiration, and that's the dude. That's the guy that's going to be coming wow. out. I don't song. think that's Jason the right guy. Dolo. I also don't, didn't think Pitbull was the right guy for the last World Cup Pitbull's, song. That song from last World Cup was actually the, one of the most forgettable songs. I didn't. I had to look it up. I don't remember, remember what anything. It's, and I uh, watched him perform. It was called Oh Yeah. But I would never remember. I knew no, that because I looked it up. But Waka Waka was stuck in my head for mad long. It was a great song. That was a great one. Yeah. Great song. But yeah, so 
Yo, I don't even know who the fuck Jason Derulo <laughs> is, dude. I'm Googling. Ooh, Jason Derulo. Yeah, he always does that. He gave his songs. Nah, dude. I haven't <laughs> even heard him. I looked at his songs. Swalla, Tiptoe, and Wiggle. Talk dirty off the... Off. Wait, is Wiggle the It's like Wiggle, Wiggle, Wiggle. Uh, I think so, yeah. Wiggle yeah. was off Talk Dirty album. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah, so that's it. Jason Derulo. I don't know if I'm excited to see what he comes up with, but Can we skip that part. Hopefully, it's Cup? hopefully it's catchy. I don't know. I like I like when the World Cup song is good. Yeah, right. I want a nice. I song. want everyone's on the street singing the song, but me too. But I just don't think Jason Derulo is going to be yeah. the guy to bring that. But yeah, then again, I have to wait and see. Yeah. How do you how do you pick the people to do that? I don't know, man. There's a lot. Of, probably a lot of politics that go behind it, but damn. Yeah. Geez. Oh wow. But okay, let's get into the main topic today and. Today we're going to be talking about kind of our stories and why we support the clubs we support. And if you've listened to even five minutes of any podcast we've had, you probably know by now that Louie and I are big Manchester United fans and that Brendan is a Liverpool fan. And we probably have spoken about that over hundreds of times at this at point. At this point, yeah. And yeah. we always wear the Manchester United jerseys to the to the podcast. Brendan does not yeah, rep I... Liverpool that much. But we wanted to give you guys an insight into why we support the clubs we support and just how the the sport has kind of reached overseas levels and and kind of the globalization of it in general and and give you guys an idea for that so louis can you start us off get us into first why you support manchester united and and kind of delve into that a little bit yeah so um for me the reason i i for me to tell you my soccer story i gotta start real young um so you know aside from supporting manchester united i'm a big brazil supporter born in brazil you know, raised a Brazil fan. One of my earliest memories of soccer is being woken up for the 2002 World Cup at 3 a.m. in the morning to watch the games in, in my uncle's apartment. That's one to me is one of my earliest memories. Amazing memory. Love it. We won the World Cup. It was awesome. And so, but as a kid, uh, my dad actually made me hate soccer. <laughs> so I used, to play, I, I used to play youth soccer. I played from the age of like five till seven, I want to say, seven, eight. Yeah. around there and then my dad made me hate soccer so much he was one of those overbearing parents who sit on the sidelines and was just yeah. berating me uh, my yeah. father was a pretty angry man when i was a kid so it was just like bad so he was just yelling at me from the sidelines like, get your hands out of your pockets and all this and i had my hands up <laughs> <laughs> i had my hands in my pockets because well, i was already upset with him for yeah. yelling something else or whatever and so i stopped playing soccer swore off soccer i hated everything about it because my dad pissed me off so much Fast forward a couple years, played every other sport known to man, played football, played basketball. None of them really I liked very much <laughs> at all. And football, right? I played football, yeah. Fun <laughs> side story. International wow. <laughs> uh, American football. I actually played in high top uh, Nike Air Forces. Whoa, I didn't have swag. cleats. Nice, they, were, dude. they were blue snakeskin. It was wow, awesome. That's a <laughs> were you Pop Warner boy? Uh, no, I never played Pop Warner. I played for the middle school. Oh, you played for... Um, Did they match your jersey color? What yeah, color? for sure. It matched my jersey oh, color. Our jersey fine. was white and blue, so it wow, just. Uh, also, Fire. best part was I already couldn't really see very well, but I didn't have contacts. Ooh. I had my glasses, but I wouldn't wear my glasses to games. <laughs> so I wore my sport goggles. So no, I didn't wear anything. I was blind during football games. Wow, it was great. Wow, yes. Sounds like a great <laughs> experience. experience. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yep. I was a defensive end, so I got hit a lot. That okay, was not fun. Uh, but anyway, moving back to uh, the actual good sport that i that i ended up playing so then i at the age of about 14 got to high school and basically all my friends were playing soccer we were going down to uh the park next to your house actually and we were paying pickup pretty much every week and so started playing more pickup started playing more pickup started playing soccer regularly again started to fall in love with it again right 
and you know without my daddy on the sidelines it was easy you know what I mean? Cause yeah it's yeah fucking soccer it's amazing and i think the day that made me be a manchester united supporter was i think there was a day where it was like after school or something and i was like hey guys are we gonna go play some pickup and everyone's like hey no we're not playing today champions league finals on and i was like oh okay or maybe we we're i was texting the, or talking to people about the weekend playing on a saturday i don't remember when the final was but i was like oh okay cool i guess we're not playing today at this point i wasn't really watching that much at all um and so the Champions League final that year was Manchester United versus Barcelona, it was 2009. So um, went home and watched the game. And I was like, wow, this is amazing. United lost to Barcelona. But I was like, I think I started to really dig Cristiano Ronaldo at the time. So I was like, yo, I'm going to support this team. Like, he's like, he's, he's the best player in the world, just won Ballon d'Or. You know, yeah, they lost to Barcelona. Fuck Barcelona. I don't know why. <laughs> I don't remember why. I was like, fuck yeah. Barcelona. Like, I'm out. I'm done. Came a Manchester United supporter. I bought this jersey. This is my oldest jersey I own. This is a Wayne Rooney 2009, 2010 jersey. And Someone's flaking it's, off. it's literally flaking off the sponsor. It's super old. And so that started my love affair with Manchester United. From then I watched every single game. Started becoming, I was watching every game, watching every player. And just, it started from there. I found myself playing soccer and wanting to play soccer and wanting to be a part of the the group of my friends that were all just playing pickup every every week or whatever the days were to allow us to play and that's what my friends were going to go do they were going to go watch the champions league final it was barcelona manchester united so then i was like well i gotta pick a team i gotta support someone and mm-hmm. they were the two that i had just watched and i was like manchester united is yeah could have went down a different path i yeah. could have been down definitely, a different path definitely yeah right yeah, very uh, dark path so uh, I, my story is somewhat similar i didn't play soccer for a long time until probably sixth grade. What year was that? Uh, I think that was a World Cup year. But hadn't played ever played really played soccer. I played basketball. I was horrendous at it. We had an zero and twelve um, youth basketball league team that was just bad. <laughs> so gave up on that. Did karate when I was younger for a little bit. Whatever. Sixth grade. I'm pretty sure it was a World Cup year. Started watching Brazil really heavily. Also, my family's all from Brazil, so soccer's always been a part, but I was never really that into it until the World Cup, where, where I was actually involved was that first one. I think it was, I don't know. 2006 was probably the one in Germany. Sorry. Yeah. So the thing about my story that I wanted to actually interject too is that as a Brazilian, you, there's no way you can escape soccer. Right. It's it not like you put there. it aside. Right. Anytime it's a World Cup year, you're going to watch. And, and even like my dad's a very big soccer fan for a team Brazil called Atlético Mineiro. So it was always hard for me to not not really experience it. But it was one of those things where it's like, I don't really want to be forced into this thing that my dad likes. And I didn't really follow it that hard. So 2006, that that was that definitely was the year. It was kind of the first year where I was like, oh, soccer's really cool. Like I really loved the... I remember loving how much energy there was when I was watching games with all of these Brazilian people. Like you could see in their faces how much it meant to them. And I was like, damn, I've never seen some shit like this. Like, why do these people care so much? So it was a slow pro- progression, and that's when I started actually playing playing soccer and actually, like, really liking it and being being de- decent at it. So I started enjoying that and watching more international soccer because at the time it was harder to watch more domestic games. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely fell in love with Cristiano Ronaldo. It, like... Till, I mean, till this day, he's still like my favorite player ever. I, I just I just love loved the guy, really. But because of that, started watching Manchester United. I bought his... I had an old school jersey. 
This story with actually hurts me. With the patches, like, I think about dude, it, it literally hurts me. It's like me. the highest, to- like, oh my gosh, I don't even remember how much they were at that back then, but. Ronaldo AIG jersey number seven had the Premier League patches. Just this was like the Ballon d'Or jersey. jersey that he won. Dude, it was the nicest. It was the nicest jersey I've ever owned in my entire life. I wore it like stupid. Like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if it was stupid, but wore it to to soccer one day. Had to be on a skins team. Threw it. Took it off. Threw it on the ground. Never saw it again. Dang. So someone just snagged it. But ever I'm it took scoundrel. me like four years after that to buy a jersey because I was just like this man. But wow. But yeah. So lost that jersey. But ever since then, uh, Ronaldo, I, I have to credit him for my love for, for Manchester United. Huh. Very interesting. Yeah. My story is completely different. I grew up playing soccer. I grew up playing soccer. I grew up never wanting to watch soccer. I went to, like, revolution games every now and then with your team, you know, yeah. at the end of the season. I was like, dang, this is just this is boring. Like, I don't I don't feel any attachment to this New, York, New England revolution. Like, it's not going to affect me. So, um I kept playing soccer. Um, I then kind of watched the World Cups. In it wasn't the 2006 one. Is that the one where Zidane headbutted the dude, or is that the one after that? No, it's 2006. So, okay, so I remember final. watching the Italy, final Germany, of that. Italy, France, I wanted France to win so bad just because my little brother wanted Italy to win. Yeah. And I remember the headbutt, and we were at my grandma's house, and I was like, dang, like that was crazy. Yeah. Can't wait for the next World Cup. So the next one came about um, – the Netherlands did pretty well, and we're Dutch family, so like, it was kind of nice, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't end up how we wanted it to end up. Neither did the next World Cup, but and neither did this World Cup. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> or the ones we're, in the seventies. We're not even here. We're the best. The we're, we're the best team to never win World Cup. Either way, um, so fast forward to 2015. Still hadn't watched soccer a lot. I started working at a high school in Newton, and I was an, an aide for a kid with down syndrome and he was from england and his family were like avid yeah. avid liverpool supporters yeah and i was like oh dude that's kind of cool like so started watching liverpool games just because some days when like liverpool would lose on a weekend like this kid would come to school fucking pissed yeah. like he'd yeah. be like not liverpool lost like, don't yeah. even want to talk about it and like on his free time he'd watch liverpool highlight videos um so then i was like dang like i might i started watching liverpool more and more and i was like wow you know like kind of like looking forward to these weekend games and like talking about it with my buddy so that really started the love for uh liverpool i accredit jake braithwaite 100 uh, percent, the braithwaite yeah. family give me jerseys for christmas your story is particularly cool because like you played soccer from a very young age and you didn't like necessarily like watching it but i think 2015 was uh, almost Right when they started broadcasting games live in the U.S., yeah, right? like you could actually because we probably were watching a lot of stream stuff. Oh yeah, all the time uh, for Manchester yeah, United well, games but, back in the day. But Man United games unless they were, were Champions League games, yeah, yeah, they were always were because of Manchester United's power. But regular league games, I'm not sure if it, you really had to have the premium cable package or something crazy to be. That's watching. true. Where now you can just have NBC Sport or whatever yeah. it may be. But because the um, what is it? NECN used to show repeat Liverpool games, but I think that, that was. I thought that was a lot earlier towards the 2010s. So I thought it was like right. So I'm saying, so they, but they used to show the replay. It wasn't. It wasn't live. I don't. Oh, know. Okay. It, so it, I, it yeah, I came in recently. right at, at the perfect moment. Right, you came in more when it was really being pushed in the U.S. market. As a like a As wholesome a whole, product, but right. for the past 15 years, it's actually been really accessible to be able to watch English games. Okay, if you really looked for it, yeah. I'm not yeah. saying it was yeah. in front of your face like it is today. Right, exactly. it wasn't. It wasn't the cheapest thing to be yeah. able to do. 
Right. Like but we were streaming that. Which yeah. is why there's a lot of, but that's, I think the, the, the reason why I want, I, today's episode super exciting to me is because these stories are all pretty, I, I, and from what I've heard and read online, is pretty relatively typical to American soccer fans. For There's a lot of soccer fans in America who don't support the MLS because it was so easy to get access to the, to the, uh, to the Premier League. Even if it wasn't as easy as it is today, it was always relatively easy for you to watch a game. The time zone's always really relatively matched. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's yeah. only a six-hour, seven-hour difference, so yeah. it's not much at all. No. So, you know, and it's easier to digest because you you, you sh- don't, if you don't speak German, you can't listen to the Bundesliga. You know yeah. what I mean? You're not, it's not easy for you to just dive in. Premier League, it's in English. So for American fans who didn't have an amazing product on field in America today, at the time, they were able to latch on to the Premier League games relatively easy because this story could be a lot different if this was if we all grew up fifty years from now when if in a hypothetical situation the MLS was king of soccer in America. Right. Imagine that. That'd be crazy. And if the MLS had a really big superstar that played in it that was in his prime, right? Because our stories, this, we fall in love with this one guy and we follow this team, and, and that's very normal. I'm sure now PSG is getting loyal fan loyal yeah, fans yeah. because of Neymar or or wherever club it may be. If you have that, the star power does matter because you'll get that one-off fan here and there, whatever oh, yeah. it may be. So, I think that it's just an, it's it's very interesting to hear everyone else's like everyone else's stories and, and especially yours because yours is fairly recent. Yeah, it's streaming. Right? Yeah, it's so, twenty fifteen. It's only been a couple you, years. I, so I to keep it on the topic of star power, uh, in your lifetimes as like supporters of a team, what's the one idol that you have? of that time that made you fall more in love with the team. Because I think that while, whereas Ronaldo got me to really love Manchester United from the couple games I saw before they sold him literally the summer after I started following them, it was because then for me, I would never, cons- I would, I will never consider supporting another team in England ever in my entire life. Because I know that as a soccer fan, you pick a team that is your team. There is no way around it. Once you decide you're a, a, a fan of that club, you can't say that you're a fan of City or a fan of Chelsea. That right. That is your club. I don't care. They could suck. They could be <laughs> awful. That is your club. And so, but I do know that star power matches yeah. it, right? And so, what was that one player that made you fall more in love with the team to cement you to the point where you're like, I will never support another team. This is the team. Um, I mean... Forgive me for not saying Steven Gerrard, although he is a god. But you like, caught him at the I, end. I caught him at the end, yeah. and you caught him right kinda, as he was slipping. Yeah, right as he was like, he was like, I'm, I'm <laughs> that's, gonna me. Leave. that's me. Dude. That was uh, a great I joke. It, I love it. That was a good but um, honestly, dude, the Stooge man, Sturridge, like really? the, that, that kid. I just whenever he scored a goal and just did Through that the dance, the, dance yeah. the, the Sturridge dance, and like he wasn't even that prominent of a figure when I watched too much. I mean, yeah, he had a couple. He had a he had a relatively okay season. But when he's he, just, well, I will say this: when Daniel Sturridge is healthy, the man is so good, so good. Yeah, it's but he's just riddled yeah. with injuries all yeah. the time. Even right now, where yeah. he is, he's injured. He just went on loan. He's injured. Um, but yeah, that was like the first Liverpool jersey I ever bought was Sturridge jersey with his name on the yeah. back. I hope he stays at the club. But yeah, yeah he just kind of made me love the team that much more and like every year kind of changes a little bit like there's yeah. a new player that you kind of fall in love with a little bit more but from for the most part it's daniel yeah. Sturridge. so mine I, I can't so ronaldo for sure because i followed him a little bit earlier than than, than louis so i got to really see him play some of what i consider his prime regardless i always think that he's been the best player ever at united than he would have been you know, what he's playing now i mean though he's been phenomenal 
the one day that I knew for sure, so I'm going to give him the credit that I loved Manchester United, was the day that Wayne Rooney scored that bicycle kick against Manchester City. I freaked I, out. Uh, like I, it was person. probably one of the first times in my life where I legitimately felt like trembles in my body because of like something that I yeah. was just watching on TV. So I have to say Wayne Rooney, he's a legend. He's been, been there alongside Ronaldo ever since. But that one moment was enough for me to be like, I knew I always knew that I really liked them, but I knew at that moment, and that was kind of like the off switch of like, holy shit, I fucking love Manchester yeah. United. So that 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 moment because it just got me out of my seat and really got me like. Yeah, I just, just got I, me, okay. I, I just pictured just, that goal in my head. And I just got, <laughs> it's something that I I'll see Nani on the left wing right. crossing it in, Wayne Rooney I'll jumping. Oh forget. my god! So okay. I, knew, I knew at that moment that that was the that was it. So I'm gonna give Wayne Rooney the credit. So I'm wearing the Wayne Rooney jersey Rooney. that I bought, but for me, the day I knew I was a pretty big fan was how upset I got like a year and a half later when I, once I started following Manchester United when we lost to uh, Barcelona again or sorry this was the second time we lost to Barcelona so in 2011 so it was two seasons after the season I started following so I'm two years into my United supporter career I got so angry during that uh, Champions League final and I like cried like I would like scream like a little girl when Rooney scored that goal. So I was like, "Yes, we're I back in didn't it." Didn't get to watch that game because I was at a club soccer tournament. Oh, so like for man. me, that's not even a memory. But yeah, it is. That to me, that 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 day when I sat there and was physically like stomachly upset about a soccer game on television, I looked at it later and I was like, "Wow, that really meant that much to me." Yeah. And I found it incredibly insane. Yeah. But in terms of the player that like in my mind, I was just like, "Man, this guy." is the epitome of like awesomeness for that club was robin van percy's year the year we won the 20th uh championship that man did things that made me so happy like that was one year of he was great volley goal that he had when he passed it to him which by far if you watch compilations of robin van percy on the internet you know sometimes i spend my time doing that it's always number one is that goal but or that world cup goal he scored yeah, well, that one's always, like, number yeah. two or number yeah, three. That's a crazy thing. Because that one's crazy. The little fish dive. Yeah, yeah dude. It's great. But Robin Van Persie, during that season, man, the guy was astounding to watch. It yeah. was just, like, uh, absurd. It, the things he did were amazing. Yeah. Um, but my, my thing about soccer that I love is history. Like, I'm a big history guy. I loved history in high school and everything. And to me, soccer is such a... It's such a sport that's ingrained in history and you have every decade has their amazing players and mm-hmm. every team always has like that one star for that decade yeah. right and for me i loved learning about i've spent i can tell you right now it's gonna sound nerdy but i've spent hours and hours and hours and days on the internet just reading about manchester united legends yeah. and reading about what it was like to to support these guys and what it was like for the i will say know, too especially us three here we chose to support teams that have a lot of history not even footballing wise but just tragic yeah tra- tragic things that have happened in the history of, the, of their club which is also something that a lot of clubs don't have i mean that may be good or bad but it's something that if you are someone like you, Louis, that likes history, just really hooks you in because you have a story to, to follow. You could, if you, like, I, I, I have this massive affinity for for history. I love learning about all of this stuff. So for me to be able to sink my teeth into something that is both sport, which I think is amazing, the competitiveness of it, but also the fact that what you do on the pitch isn't just done when you're done. It's, it's ingrained in history for the yeah. rest of history. Like, it's ingrained yeah. in it. And so... You know, for there to be three statues outside of Manchester United of, of the, the the Holy Trinity, and to be able to know what that means, despite the fact that I was never alive when when they were playing, right. is insane. 
you know, I'm super happy that in my lifetime I can say I watched Sir Alex Ferguson for a very good chunk of his yeah. career. And that to me is something that is amazing. Yeah. All of that history on that part. Yeah. Yeah, I have not really delved too deeply into the, the rich history of Liverpool, but it is something that definitely adds a lot of a lot of meat and bones to it. It's just like there's yeah. a club, but there's a club that has done so much and has had so much happen to it. So it makes you like them that much more. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the, you're not just supporting the club that is more most successful at that current time. Yeah. Right? It's a, you're not just a bandwagon fan. Right. Um, I people could call me bandwagon because I started oh, supporting, but like, oh yeah, I don't, for I, sure. I really don't care because I, I, I love. I couldn't hide my. I can't hide my love for the for him now, for Ronaldo now. I can't hide my love for Manchester United currently. So people will definitely say that. But it's funny. You're sitting at a table. There's three guys who are supporting the two clubs that have won the most. You know, <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. So like, I get it. But I'm gonna take this opportunity to go into my segue for this curveball question I was gonna throw at you guys. Is it goes along the conversation of last week where we we're talking about. Uh, local fans versus TV fans. For me, I consider myself 100% a Manchester United fan. Now, certain people can look at this and say, well, sir, you live in America, you've never been to Manchester, and you know, you're know you not from Manchester. That club can never mean as much to you as it does to a boy born in Manchester, which, in all honesty, I agree with. Yeah. Because to me, I think a club... They're there. They're, they're there. Impact the culture, they're there. Absolutely. And so I can never be as big of a fan, I guess, or it can't mean as much to me necessarily because the, a lot about uh, the, the crux of being a supporter of a club is based in location. Right. I think that you have to have pride of where you're from, which is why I love, like, I love supporting Brazil. I, you know, I support Brazil uh, in Brazil as well. Not as closely as I support Manchester United. Right. So it's like, you know, it's that thing. It's like, do you think you're a real fan? Is the question I'm trying to ask. So, so here's my thing. I, I obviously 100% do because I know how I feel watching games. But in terms of that that kind of heritage, I do feel like if I went to if I went to Manchester, I would feel way less knowledgeable about Manchester United is even knowing as much as I do and talking about as much as I do just because it is a part of who they are. These There are people there that walk by the stadium every day, can walk into the museum, have interactions with the players, have interactions with the, the, with the whole organization, right? And be there and be a part of it. Because I think of how here you can go to a barber and know the barber that cuts the Celtics players and there's, there's some like undertones of culture there right i won't ever be able to experience that because i don't live in manchester so i do i think i'm a fan 100 i think i'm the biggest i'm the biggest fan of manchester United that i know but if i go abroad do i think that they're going to think that i'm a, a phony 100 but that's just something that i think you can't replicate the like you say the 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 cultural importance and cultural almost like secret information that you get from being where your club is located right so so yeah, I, I I think I'm a, a huge fan, but people might not. Yeah, I definitely think I'm a big fan, but honestly, if I'm gonna be 100 percent honest, I'm probably not the yeah. biggest fan. Yeah, I don't subscribe to their membership. I don't 
I'm not involved and right. I watch the games. I follow as much as I can. But again, there's that just that aspect of being a member of your club right. where you pay to go to the games. You get all the, the calendars like the family I watch. They the kids have calendars of Liverpool. They have the memberships. The they have everything Liverpool, right. and even like talking to them about it just seems like they're like they have a step above and, me, right. which is yeah, interesting. Even the lingo that I mean, I follow. So I'm I, I'm a big Twitter Twitter guy, and I follow a lot of people that are Manchester United through and through that live there, live in Manchester, and sometimes it's even hard for me to understand the lingo of just even sections in the stadium that I don't know because I've never been, or little, you know, little things, streets, streets that are important to Manchester yeah. United, and, and or bars, where or... Manchester United used to be located, things like that that I don't, it's hard to really articulate and get, get familiar with if you're not actually there, so, yeah, I don't know, I think that. I think one thing I want to pose too is let's remove ourselves from the situation. What I think is actually wrong is for you to be from, like, let's say we we're all in England, right? And I think it'd be very wrong for us to support the clubs we support if we were born and grew up in London, yeah. or and if our parents weren't from those areas from either. Yeah. I think that you have two exceptions for a club team, right? If you're born anywhere near it, you should support your local team, and two, if your father or mother supported another team and then moved somewhere. Right. Because they have the, the history. Of it. So interestingly enough, the family I watch or hang out with, you know, um, I I asked like the dad, I'm like, how did you become a Liverpool supporter? Like, are you from the area? It's like, uh, no, actually, Liverpool is just the first game I ever was taken yeah. to. So that was him. And then the mom is actually a big West Ham fan, but she's from the area. Yeah. So that's that. So wait, sorry. So she's from London or she's from Liverpool? She's from London originally, okay. I believe. If I'm wrong, sorry, Lydia. But, <laughs> um, or she went to school in the area or something. Yeah, Either she's way, associated but she's. But yeah, so it's kind of interesting to to just. I do I do agree with that too because it's just, it put it in our perspective. I think it's funny when there's someone from the Boston area that supports the Lakers. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, and, and also podcast. I know how hypocritical that statement sounds. Super so trust me, I get it. I, I, the, the, the truth is not lost on me. I know it's super hypocritical <laughs> yeah. to be a dude from New England it supporting Manchester United. It makes sense in our heads. In my head, it makes perfect sense. In our hearts. <laughs> I will tell you this right now. We, we made the pledge to support Atlanta United in the MLS. But no, honestly, I can't say that because <laughs> if the Revs were even remotely good. That was for a headline. I know, it was great. I'd be like, yo, fuck Atlanta United, <laughs> fuck everyone else. If the Revs else. were remotely good, if anything was remotely good coming out of the Revs, I would support the Revs wholeheartedly. But there's no stadium culture there. There's nothing fun about them right now. So, you know. Well, that comes with the thing. Yeah, there's nothing exciting, like no player, nothing there that's exciting that's happening yeah. for us to really. I will say, when they had Jermaine Jones and we made it to the MLS Cup Final, I watched every single game that year. And I supported it because it was, it was good. Yeah, Things I looked good, not. but I didn't go to a yeah. game that year. Yeah. Okay. Plus, the MLS is just but the also on the field is just another not. thing. I think why weren't you hooked on the Revs? Maybe this is just a guess, but like they don't have history for you to even really follow. Like you, they could have been had they had a good Dude, season. Taylor Twelman, what are you talking about? Hey, I actually, <laughs> no, I, no. I actually did do research on the Revs' history too. Though, you know what I mean? Four MLS to Cup finals that they lost because maybe you're just like, hey, they had a really good season, and I want to really get. But if they don't really have anything there to support them, and the, there isn't much we know firsthand though there isn't much there going on it's uh, it just makes it hard True. and you could say oh bandwagon you're only going to support when the the they're in glory times but 
I mean, sometimes if you don't have a history and you don't have good football and you don't have an atmosphere, <laughs> there's so the there's nothing to latch your stuff onto. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. So yeah. And that's the thing is that if, if 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 the refs had an amazing stadium culture, they could suck every single yeah. game, and they'd still have fans going, and it'd be right. fun, and I'd still go because you know what and I mean. We see, that like, uh, we see that a lot in the lower league uh, teams here in the U.S. Like they may not necessarily be the best team ever, but they pack nine thousand people in the stadium yep. every weekend, right? And that's that must not, still be fun, you know? It's issue, a great so. Friday night or whatever it is. Uh, but I think that for me, what ended up happening was you only have so much time in a week to have, like, to devote to leisure, right? So I only have time to watch a couple games a week. Am I going to make those couple games MLS games, or am I going to make those couple games (laughs) United games? I will say, I try and catch MLS games as much as I can. I watched the MLS Cup Final this past year. You know what I mean? I try and and, and really sink my teeth into the MLS as much as possible, but it's just at the time that I became a fan, it was the product on the field was shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) I mean, sure, I'm sure there's a lot of you out there who's going to argue with me and say otherwise, but in comparison to England... Yeah, it was shit, yeah. you know? And so for me, I just wanted to support something that I could watch that was great and good. Yeah, entertainment. I'm, and entertainment. Yeah. It's a form of entertainment. It's an escapism. That's what football is at the end of the day. Yeah. And so I know we're probably going to get so much hate for this episode, but I'm ready for it. Yeah. I understand the hypocrisy. I, the the and, one thing that I, I think that we, there is a lot of hypocrisy in it, but it's almost impossible to be a fan of a sporting team and not be hypocritical in some, in some sense. Oh, yeah. Right? Because if you are really behind it... Because, so here's my biggest thing. People always make fun of Liverpool for being the club that always talks about history recently. But now, I can say Manchester United kind of has become that, right? But I used to chirp that and be like, oh, oh, Liverpool fans, all they have is they can say that they've won this in the past. They don't have shit now. Well, kind of, that's what United's become, right? So, as a fan of, of, of this sport, your loyalty to an idea is very fickle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you have to be ready to change opinions real quick on something, I think. Because dude, every, every game, like, I go and talk to one of the kids. It's like, yo, dude, like, he did pretty well, huh? He's like, nah, he didn't do yeah. that great. I'm or like, yeah, dude, totally didn't do or, that great. Or even the argument of, um, we can say Manchester, but Lo- North North London with Tottenham and Arsenal. Tottenham have had a couple good seasons where they really haven't won shit, and everyone's saying North London is white. Or North London's blue. No, it fucking isn't. Historically. It's neither. <laughs> historically, it's Arsenal. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's Arsenal. And, and Manchester, Manchester City's been killing it over the past few years. Then people can say, Manchester's blue. Manchester City tweets it out. Manchester's blue. But how the fuck can you actually say that in the historical context? <laughs> right? So I think that from a fan, from a, from a fan's perspective, you're, you have to be as fickle as fucking possible. You have to be ready to say that you, your team is the best one day and then the next day be like, well, we were good. A year ago. So here's well, dude. Last year we were just so much better. Like, (laughs) so here's our sign off. Um, I'm gonna add one more hypocritical layer to our whole conversation here. I have been to Europe. I have been to a Bayern Munich game. I've sat at the Allianz, watched Robert Lewandowski score a hat trick. It was one of the best days of my life (laughs) as a soccer fan. I will never support. I cannot support Bayern. I my my brother in law was like, hey man, well let's buy jerseys. I was like. Hey man, I want to, yeah. but I will not buy a jersey. Yeah. And I bought a hat. I have a Bayern hat and a Bayern scarf. Yeah. And if the conversation is the German league, I will say I can somewhat support Bayern because yeah. I've been there. I have that physical connection. But which is where you guys might think, oh, so he's been to he's been to Germany. He could have yeah. gone. He could have went to England yeah. too. Sure, you're right. I could yeah. have. Yeah. And that's my that's my last hypocritical layer, and that's what I'm going <laughs> to sign off with yeah. for the day. I'm going to sign off. With the fact that I have a Cristiano Ronaldo Real Madrid jersey, but I also have a Barcelona Neymar jersey. So who fucking cares, right? And I'm going to sign off with the fact that you never walk alone.
<laughs> that's good. All right, that's it. So that's it, guys. Another episode in the books. We hope you enjoyed. We wanted to give you guys a little bit better perspective of who we are as fans and why we support the clubs we do. Please don't hesitate to check out www.treblwear.com, treblewear.com. That is our personal brand of soccer-inspired apparel and clothing. We try to represent the culture as much in that brand as we do in our podcast. So go check that out. Let us know what you think about it. As always, all of our contact information is in the show notes. And we hope you enjoy. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so that you can catch all of our upcoming episodes.